You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Rose Vogel Report, on Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up, and on Facebook at Straight Up Saints. Now, we, you know, training camp's underway. I mean, no more talking about, you know, COVID 19 tests, uh, coronavirus protocols, all of these things that, while are interesting to a lot of people, really don't excite the fan base the way it is because, you know, someone jamming up a swab up a player's nose to see if they have COVID is not ex- as exciting as me saying, hey, do you know who looked good in practice this week? Or, hey, do you know who I think might be the secret weapon on this secondary for the New Orleans Saints? Those are all things that I'm going to talk about, by the way, later on in this episode. But let's start off with the big news coming out of training camp. And this is an unfortunate one, and it's one that had a lot of fans sitting there looking at their screens just yelling this. No, God, please, no, 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 no. Seriously, I mean, so Andrews Pete goes down, a broken thumb. And while it's not the worst injury in the world, because trust me, with Andrews Pete and the injuries he's had, it's been worse than this. So I really don't think Saints fans should worry all that much. It is another injury, and it's another injury after the guy just signed a massive contract with the Saints that's a five-year deal worth $57.5 million. So the initial reaction to that is outrage. It's how can this guy get injured again? They just paid him. That's not how life works, guys. And I said it earlier uh, this offseason. I'll say it again. I still think Andrews Pete's going to have a pretty good year. I think he lost a lot of weight. That's going to bode well for him. And no, weight loss did not contribute to him breaking his thumb. He broke his thumb. It's a two-week injury, three-week injury. It's a freak accident, just like Drew Brees' injury from last year. A freak accident. The weight loss had nothing to do with it. You thinking that he's soft had nothing to do with it. Injuries happen in the trenches. Unfortunately for Andrews Pete, they keep piling up. The good news is... Like I said, he's out two weeks. That's what Ian Rappaport's saying. That is literally what Jay Glazer's been saying. And he's always on the money with Saints news. So I'm going to go with that for sure. Um, And even if he can't play week one, the Saints have Nick Easton for a reason. He is a highly paid backup for this exact moment. Now, look, I don't think Nick Easton is anything special. And I'm sure a lot of you guys would agree with that. But the Saints have him on their roster For this exact reason, if Andrews Pete goes down, you slide him in for a couple of games and you don't, well, well, look, there's some fans that delusionally think he's an upgrade, which he's not. You don't lose a lot on the offensive line. It's not like Pete goes down, you plug in Easton and all of it goes to hell. That's not what happens. Okay. But you have him there as a temporarily, temporary, excuse me, replacement for Andrews Pete. And I need to talk about Andrews Pete for a second because, and probably gonna be longer for a second. So excuse me for that. But There is this notion on Saints Twitter that Andrews Pete's horrible and that Andrews Pete was a horrible signing and the Saints made a mistake. And look, we're all entitled to our opinions. I'm entitled to my opinion. And you know what? I I thank you guys if you are listening each week to my opinions that I give out here. But we have to be realistic about football. And I think that's something that a couple of people, and I'm not trying to single out names here and I'll never do that, but there are people who are unrealistic with the expectations of this team. Would we all have liked the Saints to upgrade the left guard spot? Absolutely no one is arguing that. But guess what? The Saints came into this offseason knowing that they weren't going to keep Larry Warford. That's why they cut him. That's why they got Ruiz. And that's why they're ready to roll with the Ruiz-McCoy combination for center and right guard. So they knew they were getting rid of Warford. 
Did you really want to get another offensive guard in there and figure out another player that you had acclimated into this offense and make him learn the system and make sure that he's ready to protect Drew Brees in what could be his final season? That's number one. Number two, the top options on the market at left guard were not even available for the Saints. Brandon Scherf and Joe Thune both were franchise tagged by Washington and New England, respectively. So they're off the market. And by the way, the, the franchise tag for an offensive guard is about $15 million this year. So it, it's a lucrative tag. And if you want them, cool. Guess what? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you at least a second-round pick. I would go as far to say it might cost a first for sure, but a second for Thune. And you really don't know. It, it, that, again, that's speculation. And you have to trade assets for a guy who you're going to also pay a lot on top of it. And then the, the, the cherry on top of all that, he's got to learn a new system in a short and off season. So was that the alternative, making a trade that was never going to happen? Because again, it takes two to tango when you make a trade. And guess what? There was not a dance partner out there for the Saints at that moment. Okay, so let's go through other people wanted. People wanted Graham Glasgow or people wanted them to make a splash and maybe switch it up. We have to understand, guys, Eric Flowers, who I think many would consider is inferior to Andrews Pete as a football player. He's not as talented, both from the same draft class, ironically, but not as talented. And maybe not as talented, not as productive, I'd say. Eric Flowers got a $10 million per year deal. Andrews Pete got $11.5 million. So once again, while I understand the frustration, and I, and I understand that Saints fans are just tired of Andrews Pete constantly being injured, and I get it, I really do, what was your alternative? Was it to pay an equal amount for a guy that's not as good and would have to learn the system? Was it to make a trade that was never going to happen because it was unrealistic to make that type of trade in the first place, especially when the Saints had limited draft assets going into this year? Just take a deep breath, guys. Take a deep breath. Pete's out for two weeks. They'll figure it out. If you, even if he doesn't play for week one, it's not that big of a deal. Take your time with Andrews Pete. He's in good shape. He's got a good mindset. He's ready to go. Take your time with him. When he's 100%, play him, let him go to work, and then maybe we can all finally stop talking about Andrews Pete and all the drama that comes with this fan base and why they don't like him. Look, I'm not, I'm not here to say Andrews Pete's one of my favorite players. What I am here to tell you, though, is that he's going to be one of the most important players this season for many reasons, and one of them is his versatility, and two is the fact that when he is healthy, he is a good football player. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that because it doesn't fit their narrative that they think he just sucks and that he's terrible. But guess what? Sean Payton, Super Bowl-winning head coach who's been on the money with most of his personnel decisions in recent history, said, guess what, guys? We're going to sign him. What does that tell you? Are you willing to side with yourself or Sean Payton in terms of personnel moves? I think I'm going to go with Sean Payton on that one. And I know a lot of people say, hey, well, coaches make mistakes. They do. The Saints have had Andrews Pete in the building long enough to know whether or not they wanted to keep him. They decided to keep him. There's a reason. And he's going to be an important player. Offensive line play is always important, especially in the trenches and especially interior offensive line. If the inside collapses, which we saw against the Vikings in the playoffs, it makes life difficult for Drew Brees. So for all those reasons that I mentioned, Anders Pete, whether you love him or hate him, and most of you right now listening definitely hate him, is going to be an important player this year. Now let's switch gears here on the Straight Up Saints podcast because I don't want to talk about a guy that's going to have you guys sitting there banging on your keyboards and pissed and saying, that's it, I'm not listening anymore because you don't want to hear about Andrews Pete. And guess what, guys? I understand. I, I really do. I understand the frustration, absolutely. Because, look, I, I love to do all this podcast and reporting, but at the end of the day, I'm a fan at the heart of it, so I understand the frustration. 
Let's talk about a guy who also has been injury prone, but it sounds like he's turning the corner. That's Marcus Davenport. Sean Payton talked about him during training camp day two uh, in terms of practice. Said he's working on his techniques. Said he rehabbed. He's he's you know built his uh, his weight is up. He said his strength is up. He said he no- understands the defense better than he has before. Look, I've been saying it, and I'll say it again. The writing's on the wall. If Davenport's healthy, a big season's in store for him. It just lines up. It's his third year. He'd be more developed. He'd understand the system. He would he, Remember, like I said, guys, a small school prospect, you're learning on the fly. And he's learning on the fly while still being good, still having 26 quarterback pressures and six sacks in 13 games. And now he's healthy. And he learns more. And the defensive line is looking very deep. I just think for me, this is the year where he breaks through and he has nine or ten sacks. And people say, hey, that's why you trade up to get him because he can be a game wrecker for opposing offenses. And I think that's going to happen. So to hear Sean Payton speak highly of Marcus Davenport, that gives me a lot of confidence. As a fan, I sit here and I listen. And I know it's easy to say he's just going to get hurt again. But I think you have to be optimistic in some regard. I mean, he did rehab for a while um, he's already practicing, which is a fantastic sign, and he looks good on top of it. Injuries happen. It's a part of football. It's a part of life. I think Davenport's going to turn the corner here. I really do. And look, some of it's a blind optimism, but you got to have it in this football league because if you don't, you might as well just pack it in before those games on Sunday. So I think Marcus Davenport, all the signs are pointing up. His stock is up. I think he's going to have a great year. Obviously, I have to throw the if he stays healthy in there, but I really do think he's going to have a big year uh, in his third season with the New Orleans Saints. Now, this is not about someone that the Saints fans have either loved or hated. It's about someone who's really just a new face to them. And I want to talk about him because I am starting to find my training camp darling. You know, we all have those. That one guy you latch on to training camp, whether it's something he said, whether it's something he did, and you want him to make the roster. And for me, there is not a player on this roster that stands out to me more in terms of the number one training camp story than Benny Fowler. So Benny Fowler is a vet. This is not some young cat coming in, just surprising people. He's 29 years old. He's been in the league since 2015. He has experience playing with the Broncos. He's, he's actually played with both Manning brothers, which is actually pretty funny um, and an interesting, I don't know if you want to call it accomplishment, but a little interesting caveat to his career. But Benny Fowler was not an NFL team this offseason. And Emmanuel Sanders and Drew Brees were doing an individual workout, and Sanders brought Benny Fowler along with him. And Drew Brees asked Benny Fowler if he was on a team because he thought he looked good. He was surprised he wasn't on a roster. And Benny Fowler told him, you know, with COVID, I haven't been able to try out. It's affected where I land. And Drew Brees was so impressed, he told him, I'm going to tell the Saints about you. And now, look, some people say, yeah, you'll be hearing from my people or, hey, let's hang out soon and never hear from them. We all know we have those type of people. Benny Fowler, two days later, hears from the New Orleans Saints, and lo and behold, they end up signing him. And now he's on this roster. Now he's not on the final roster yet, but I was listening to him speaking today, and he had a lot of great things to to say. And the one thing that stood out to me the most, and it's not about the story with Drew Brees that stood out to me, it's the blocking. He said, if I'm going to make a roster like this, I know I have to be a willing and a capable blocker. He said he's been doing it ever since the Big Ten during his days with Michigan State. He said, you got to block for guys like Le'Veon Bell to find running lanes and be able to, you know, navigate where they're going. And look, I know a lot of Saints fans love to hype up Emmanuel Butler and little Jordan Humphrey and Deontay Harris. And look, Deontay's making the roster. That's a given. Even if he wasn't progressing at wide receiver, which by the way, he is, he's just such a talented special teams player. He makes it. He's an all pro from last year, literally. Benny Fowler, for me though, has to be that fifth receiver that makes the team. He has to. And... 
There are multiple reasons why, but the big one to me is what I just told you guys before. He wants to be a blocker. And why does blocking matter at the wide receiver position? Let me tell you guys something. In 2017, when the Saints were really getting into this running offense and Drew Brees didn't have to throw much, and we would watch Kamara and Ingram just run down the field nonstop, a really underrated part to that was Brandon Coleman, who I get it, man. Brandon Coleman, 6'6", from Rutgers. We thought he was going to be way more special than he was as an undrafted guy. We thought maybe they struck gold, they got a diamond in the rough, and it didn't work out that way, and it sucks. But Brandon Coleman, as a blocker, was very, very, very special. Very special. And if Benny Fowler can come in, and no one's asking him to be an elite receiver. They have Michael Thomas. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They do have Jared Cook. They have Traquan Smith. They have Ivan Kamara. They have weapons, okay? What you're asking Benny Fowler to do is be a willing blocker, which he already is, and then whatever he gives you on the side is extra, and he has shown you every season that he's at least going to give you 100 yards and change. This past season with a bad Giants team, 23 catches for 193 yards. His best season, 2017, 29 receptions for 350, uh, 350 yards and three touchdowns with the Broncos. And there's a lot going in his direction. Drew Brees already vouched for him. He has history playing with Emmanuel Sanders and their friends, so that's good chemistry right there. He has played on a championship-winning team with the Denver Broncos in 2015. And he has played with quarterbacks who their attention to detail is at an all-time high, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. And that's an important thing too, though, because a lot of guys, if you were to play with a Jay Cutler, and then all of a sudden play with a Drew Brees, you are going to notice a huge difference in the way they go about their day-to-day operations. You will. And look, this is not to shit on Jay Cutler, but Jay Cutler looks like he half-fasts everything. Meanwhile, Drew Brees puts everything he has into every little snap. Every practice, every little meeting, he gives it his all. So Benny Fowler understands how a guy like that works, how he operates, what makes him tick. And that's important. So you have that. You have the camaraderie with Emmanuel Sanders. You have already the trust of a Drew Brees who apparently loves him enough to get him on the roster. And that does mean a lot, guys. So, yes, are there intriguing options with a guy like Marcus Calloway and Jawan Johnson? Yeah, for sure. But one of them might make it just strictly off of special teams, which means you're going to need another receiver there. And I think for me... Benny Fowler has to make the roster, and I'm going to continue to beat that drum, and I'm going to continue to be the conductor on this Benny Fowler hype train until we see the final roster come September 5th. But I'm telling you guys from now, he should be on there. Because we really have to understand, a lot of us want the Saints to run the football. If they're going to run the football, they need two things. They need their offensive line to be a little bit more athletic, which they have now done adding Ruiz and getting rid of Warford, and they could swing out in space. And two... You need your wide receivers to be capable blockers. We've seen what Taysom Hill can do as a blocker. We've seen what Michael Thomas uh, can do as a blocker. You need a little bit more blocking, though, and adding Benny Fowler will fix that problem. And it doesn't hurt the fact that he does add a little bit else, a little pop with 200 receiving yards about per season. That does help. That's a little extra bonus to having a guy like him on your roster. Because really, you're not expecting your wide receiver 4-5 to put up great numbers anyway. Especially in the Saints offense that is going to distribute the football to so many different guys. You're really not expecting much. So I think for me, the stars will align and Benny Fowler will be that guy who becomes the training camp darling. Not just for me, but for everyone else out there. And you will see when he makes the the final roster on September before their week one matchup against the Buccaneers. Now before I wrap up this podcast, a couple more things I want to talk about. So we're not going to end it just yet. I was talking about it on Twitter, and I got to talk about it again. The Saints offense is loaded. And look, 
Saints offense has been loaded for many years. And even when it's loaded, it hasn't always resulted in a Super Bowl. I mean, they've only won one. And I get it. It's easy to say, okay, cool, but where are the results? I'm looking at this offense, and I don't know how, especially if Drew Brees is healthy and the offensive line holds up, how do you stop this offense? Now, we know that they have Michael Thomas, and he's great. We know what Alvin Kamara is when he's healthy. It's everyone else that just makes it such an interesting offense. Emmanuel Sanders, a guy who's played with so many different quarterbacks and has had success with every single one of them, that's a huge bonus to this team. Jared Cook, who took a while to get going, but when he did was a top five tight end in the National Football League, that is huge. How about Ty Montgomery and Taysom Hill and Tommy Stevens, flex players? You could throw them in at wide receiver. You could throw them in in the backfield, and all of a sudden, they can make some plays. Those are the added bonuses. And how about Traquan Smith, a third, former third-round pick who's going to be asked to be the wide receiver three for the first time in a while instead of the wide receiver two? What can he do with that opportunity? I think he's going to make the most of it. And we haven't gotten to Adam Troutman and Deontay Harris, guys that, who knows, maybe they take that next step as players and they have good seasons as well. There's just so many weapons on this offense. And before I, you know, miss him here and people tell me, hey, Chris, why the hell did you not include him? Latavius Murray, who is not going to wow you in the passing game, but he is a bruiser back and he adds an element of toughness that this Saints team needs for their offense. Because you can't always be finesse. You need a little bit of muscle. And Latavius Murray really packs a punch in that backfield. So I look at this team and they're so loaded on offense, so deep, so many weapons. What is the weakness? Obviously, the weakness would be the fact that they don't have that pop over the top of the defense, but maybe that's coming back, and Drew Brees' arm looks really good, and I know it's easy to get deceived by these training camp videos. It's almost like basketball fans when they get deceived by Hoodie Mello, and they say, oh my God, he looks fantastic, and then it never happens in the regular season. It's just Hoodie Mello, just Hoodie Mello really gets you going, and he appeals to you, and then when you see him on the court, it just doesn't look great. It's easy to get tricked by these type of videos. And Drew Brees throwing a football is always going to look good, so it's easy to get tricked. But I do think, though, that even if the arm strength isn't where it used to be, I think the Saints are finally saying, screw it. We know what we have to do. We know what we can do within 20 yards, but we got to push the boundary. And even if it doesn't always work, you need to do it, though, to keep the defense on their toes. So obviously, looking at this team, if you're telling me what the weakness is, I am saying there's no legitimate threat of beating someone over the top. Not in terms of personnel, but the Saints with those chances they've taken, haven't shown you that they can do it on a consistent basis anymore. But I'm telling you, and I really am getting that inclination from the team right now, it seems like they are going to start taking more chances than 2018, 2019, and 2017. And if they do so, I think that's going to open up the entire offense, opens up underneath routes, opens up everything, because corners and safeties have to adjust now if Drew Brees is throwing the ball uh, past 20, 30 yards. So that's going to be interesting for me, and that would be the one weakness that I want to talk about. Last thing here, before I finish this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast, I want to talk about this guy who I think need, like I can't tell you enough how much respect this guy doesn't get and how much he deserves from the Saints fan base, and that's PJ Williams. And a lot of you guys do respect PJ and think that he is an important piece of the secondary. But I think you guys also at the same time are a little bit underselling what he can do. P.J. Williams was never an outside cornerback for the Saints. He never was going to flourish into that type of player. And I guess we all got lost in what he did at Florida State, and it was easy to get deceived, and I get it. But what P.J. Williams is, an excellent instinctive defensive back. And what do I mean by that? I mean a guy who sniffs out the football, knows when to make the play. He's always around the ball, whether or not people see him get burnt or not. He is always around the football. 
He has safety instincts, but he's also as tough as a linebacker. And if there's one DB I trust to make a tackle out of all of them on the Saints, now that Von Bell's gone, it is P.J. Williams. He's that tough, okay? He's tougher than a $2 stake. He's going to come at you. He's going to throw his body weight at you if he has to. And what I really like about P.J. Williams is the way you can use him. Enough of the outside cornerback stuff. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. You can only try it so many times to realize that's not P.J.'s strong suit. What the Saints are realizing now, and you hear from Dennis Allen, and you hear from Sean Payton, and it really is music to your ears, is that they're using him now in that nickel-slash-safety hybrid role like a C.J. Gardner-Johnson who's now known as C.D. Deuce. And when you do that, you are basically maximizing his potential on the football field because you are putting him in situations where his best attributes will be on display. And I think that's going to help out P.J. Williams a lot, and I really think... A lot of people were upset when they re-signed him because they want to see new faces. But sometimes you got to realize the same face in a different spot might just be the big difference for the Saints. And now the Saints stick to this option and stick to this plan of saying, hey, PJ is going to be used in the slot. And sometimes as a safety, you're going to get the best out of him. And we saw late in the season when Marcus Williams was hurt and Von Bell was hurt and they were depleted in that secondary. They were sticking PJ anywhere and everywhere and this guy was responding to the challenge. He plays a lot of positions. He doesn't get enough respect. And for $2 million a year, you're telling me you're getting a slot corner, a guy who can cover tight ends, but also play safety, just needs a couple more reps to learn the position a little bit better. I think that's a steal for me. So PJ Williams, I think, can unlock a new, um, I don't want to say attitude, but he can add unlock a new dimension for this Saints secondary, because if you can turn him into hybrid, almost like a Kenny Vaccaro, but I think a little bit smarter of a player, Kenny's more talented, obviously. If you can do that with him, I think you got something with P.J. Williams, and I'm very intrigued to see what the Saints end up doing with him this year. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you all so very much for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for more Saints content on my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds. I've obviously been posting most of it on Twitter as I normally do, but stay tuned to the other social media platforms as well. Remember, if you haven't subscribed yet and want to, go on to the Patreon, Straight Up Saints. Just sign up. It's $3 a month. It's pretty cool. You get added perks there. I did a training camp update with who shined, who didn't look that great, the play of the day, a couple of other fun stuff for my supporters there earlier this week. I'll put another one up later this week just to recap what happened on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's practice sessions. Uh, I probably will not have another episode till next week because truth is I'm going to be on a mini vacation this weekend. So probably the next episode is going to be on Monday. And starting Monday, I am going to uh, not revitalize because it's been there, but I'm going to start putting more videos up now that we actually have Saints content. I'll put up more videos on YouTube for you guys. But thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for more Straight Up Saints content in the very near future. And remember, who that?